Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Tag him in it and put, I'll retake a lad. Here's a game y'all like. <laughs> what am I doing? McMannequin, the British Bulldog, is part of the new generation. You may all bow before D. Mabel. Here it comes, here it comes the Jackknife. On lives the new generation and the World Wrestling Federation. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Review. Rolling the R's. As the other Cultaholic lads are getting ready to... I can't stop doing that. I'll be sick. As the Cultaholic lads get ready to rumble, we're here via our Ica-Pro-powered DeLorean getting ready to tumble further into the pit that is the new generation era of the World Wrestling Federation. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell from Isolation Station 24601, now with an extra bathroom. And I am here with my friend, the bear in the big blue barcade. She is the head pen of Cultaholic. And if you were to offer him a pencil, that pencil would not just be unrequited, not be unrequired, but it would be undeservedly shoved right up your bottom because he needs a pen. He gets it right every time. That's why he has a pen. He is Justin Henry, and he is from off of America. How you doing there, Tommy? Mate, we're doing good. It is the day before my birthday when this goes out. And I am excited that Vince McMahon decided in his infinite wisdom to put the Royal Rumble on my birthday, as it's my favourite one. So thanks, Vince. I'm glad of that. I'm 37 tomorrow, Justin. Every time I, every time I hear 37, I think of clerks, although I can't say why. <laughs> oh, stop it. <clears throat> and what's nice is that you and I sat here a year ago, and I don't think I'd make it this far, but here we are. We made it to 37. See? I don't Our- know whether you have this. We made it. We made it. I don't know whether you had the same existential crises as I did. I don't know whether we talked about this last week when they revealed all the manias for the next couple of years. Did you have a bit of an existential crisis when they did that? Mm, no, because um, to be honest, I mean, I know I know all the Super Bowls in advance years were where they're going to be. So it's kind of like I know Super Bowl 59 is going to be in a few years. And it's just so I've kind of accepted the fact that I'll be 39 at the time of 30 mania 39 and you and i have that link up there we have that special bond don't we where we're like we're just as as the as the rock is rock bottoming roman reigns en route to becoming wwe champion will be uh tickling tickling the 30s 
So that'll be that'll be a lovely time, have my <laughs> Even if I couldn't remember the matches, they said, like, what was life like for, 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 for me to 17? Uh, the bliss of youth, getting my driver's license, and just being so happy and carefree. Me to 35. Oh, my lumbar region. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's that uh, Britney Spears song? My lower back is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Britney, she knew. But look, we can't talk about time. We have to go back in it to 1995. This is the Cultaholic Classic <laughs> Raw Review. Justin Henry and myself have been charged for crimes we didn't commit uh, to watch every episode of Monday Night Raw from the very beginning. And we are currently uh, just motoring away from WrestleMania 11, heading towards In Your House, where you can win an actual house. And we are about to talk about Monday Night Raw from April the 17th, 1995. You can watch it on the WWE Network, or as it'll soon be known, the Almighty Peacock Service. And before we get into the rigors of this week's episode of Monday Night Raw, let me give you a little rundown as to what is happening in the wrestling world in this week. Uh, UFC are on the up. We had UFC 5 on April the 7th, 10 days before this Raw goes to air. That saw Dan Seven win the Superfight Championship Tournament, won 50 grand and a lovely belt. We saw Ken Shamrock battle Royce Gracie to a 36-minute draw in that. <laughs> but to go back to the Seven and uh, the seven win, the Superfight Tournament win, Dan Seven's the reigning NWA World Champion at this time. Mm-hmm. And he become the first to hold a wrestling and an MMA title simultaneously. So stick that up your jumper, Brock Lesnar. This was quite a significant pay-per-view in in the in the mma world justin do you know why well i know i know that it was a big part of the shamrock uh gracie rivalry which by the way it is ufc back then is so surreal compared to now when, when you're watching uh conor mcgregor get punched into oblivion in abu dhabi by dustin poirier it's ufc has changed so much in the last 25 26 years i'm funny but significant it's a different world. I believe Tank was on this show somewhere, wasn't he? He certainly was indeed, yeah. He was um but he's not the significance. What is significance? The significance is the buy rate. Oh. Right? Because and, and and we don't normally talk about the UFC on here because they you know we sort of mentally they're different worlds but this was an interesting kind of troubling time for wrestling as a whole because UFC was very much on the march here uh the UFC 5 pay-per-view hovered around a 1.05 buy rate mania 11 was 1.1 so like your granddaddy of them all no matter how awful it was wasn't massively far behind what ufc were offering and um not only that but there was a big event there was there was a big turning of the tide in japan for this in both major weekly publications in japan uh which was uh, gong and um is it baseball? There was two can't remember what it was but um in both major uh japanese publications the two biggest weeklies in japan ufc were on the front cover and specifically dan seven with both the nwa and the ufc championship over his shoulder this was like the the coming out party for the ultimate fighting championship wasn't it justin so you're telling me that the nwa champion almost outdrew the wwf champion 
Yes. Yes, he did. What a world, eh? What a world. Seven, man. Like, every time I... I I, I saw that, and I and I found myself going down a bit of a a, a a bit of a Google rabbit hole, like looking up pictures of Dan Severn with both belts on his shoulders, and then mm. and I've, there was a, an episode of Raw which we'll cover in a couple of years' time, where he is on Monday Night Raw with the NWA Championship and the UFC Superfight Championship. Like God, <laughs> this guy really felt he felt like such an such an unmissable attraction well. for Western wrestling. Problem is, he didn't really have a whole lot of charisma. He was very dry. That is the big thing. <clears throat> he was so dry and understated, which, you know, that's a, nothing wrong with that. He, he's businesslike and he beats your ass. But it's mm. in, in a world that's predicated on gaga and, you know, a, a lot of sizzle, especially in the attitude era when it was more about more about sizzle than that, than the actual steak itself. Seven mm. kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. But I mean, he's he's too good for that world. He really is, but it was just, it was to see him with those belts and to think like a big guy. And like you say, the big issue was he was just, it was that charisma void that they couldn't fill. There's not enough, there's not enough Jim Cornettes that you can stuff down that hole (laughs) to fill that charisma void that Dan Severn left. God love him. God love him. He's a beast, quite literally a beast. Well, it's, it's just interesting to me because. It's coming along at a time when wrestling couldn't be more childish. We have the occupational gimmicks and the pandering toward you know elementary school kids with the you know the Bazooka Joe sense of humor and just the Technicolor bile that they're putting out there. It's you couldn't chase adults away more. And and I mean and look what rose in '95 UFC and what became more prominent in wrestling ECW mm-hmm. because the teenagers and the adults needed. A, were seeking shelter somewhere. So what became the you know their drug of choice? Realism. Grit. There you go. They saw an opportunity. They saw an opening in the market. And they they gave people what they wanted. Something with a bit of earthiness to it. Something with a bit of a, a bit of richness to it that wasn't your wasn't your sports entertainment. And there's Dan leading the way, leading the way. Uh, in a slightly grittier version of sports entertainment, the Sabu situation <laughs> seems to be taking on a life of its own this week. So Sabu, is he in ECW? Is he not in ECW? Uh, according to the Observer this week, as speculated here in the Observer, Sabu has reopened business relations with Dennis Coraluzo. He's the New Jersey-based NWA promoter who had a long time behind the scenes and sometimes public feud in ECW with ECW. He's also entered into some serious discussions with Eric Bischoff about working for WCW, although his prime focus would remain New Japan. ECW even had to cancel a show this week because it was headlined by Sabu versus Cactus Jack. They were unable to get an opponent of a Sabu caliber to replace him. They didn't want to follow in the footsteps of promoters who uh, who have who put false advertising out there. So they just went, we can't find a suitable replacement. We're just going to cancel the show. Todd Gordon on ECW television this week made a statement saying Sabu was suspended. Uh, the chance of F Sabu, very evident throughout the show. And uh, some have even claimed, even in spots where they didn't actually occur in the building, something they might have been added. I don't know if they were. I think the crowd was. ECW were just pretty... Pretty aggressive about Sabu. What do you make of the whole Sabu situation? Well, if I recall correctly, I think in this situation, 
Heyman may have advertised Sabu for an event he wasn't going to be appearing at in the first place, where he wouldn't have been available. And I think there was a, that was a big a big point of contention. So, but but Heyman got in front of it and turned it around to make it look like Sabu was the bad guy in the situation. He twisted the uh, the <clears throat> picture quite uh, quite a lot, didn't he? Uh, it's so we hear. Um, you mentioned Dennis Corlew's name in that. Minor spoiler alert. His name might come up a few times in the next episode of War Stories. Ooh, mm. now on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash cultaholic. Yes, War Stories Season 2 premiered uh, this past Sunday with the um, Black Saturday episode, and there are five more for the season to come on a bi-weekly basis. But now i got the plug out of the, that cheap plug out of the way. Let's get back on topic here. <laughs> uh, Sabu is supposed to be in the three-way dance for the tag team titles at the ECW Arena. And was replaced by, of all people, Rick Steiner as Taz's wow. tag team partner. <clears throat> talk, about, talk about two stiff suplex machines. I mean, that's I mean, Taz and St- Rick Steiner as a tag team. That's not it's not a bad shout, to be fair. No, it's not. It's, it was them, Benoit Malenko, and Public Enemy for the belt in what was considered a pretty good match. Nice. No, it wasn't what you wanted, but it's what you got. Uh, a little bit of moving and shaking from the World Wrestling Federation. The the performer known as Unabomber, Glenn Jacobs, was in the office of the WWF working with the character development people. Oh, no. What's going on there? <laughs> I wonder. Run, Glenn. <laughs> Run, but come back later in the 90s. <laughs> Uh, Missy Hyatt's been backstage at the WWF. She wants to get a job as a ring as a as a commentator. They probably could have used her at that point. Yeah, there was there was like an energy about Missy Hyatt that I think could have worked very well in the WWF right about now. But then they would have you know sent her, sent her to classes to lose her southern accent. Do you reckon they would have done? Yeah. Well, I mean, they probably would have done. I mean, Renee Young said recently that she she had to take classes to try and shed her Canadian accent. Oh, I suppose they would, wouldn't they? Shivani had to take oh, similar no. classes years ago. If everybody looks the same, we'll get tired of looking at each other. Uh, <clears throat> also, Dan Spivey's coming in. Yes. Yes, Spivey. There are rumors uh, that he's going to go straight to the moon and teaming up with Sid. Uh, but... Uh, We'll see what happens. Uh, but Dave says, Dave says, rumors have it he'll get a top spot as Sid's tag partner. If that's the case, nobody's been watching him for the past 10 years. <laughs> like, whoa, spicy. <laughs> Spivey's been fine in the ring. Where's Dave coming from? I can't wait to talk about Dan Spivey. <clears throat> because they give him one of two good gimmicks that they created that year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one, a, gimmick, a gimmick from 95 that was so good, they did it again in 2010. Mm, sort of kind of sort of kind of sort of we we end the look back on the week in wrestling with a bat shine mental new jack story are there any other kind there certainly aren't matey so (laughs) three days before this episode of raw airs we go to erlanger kentucky smoky mountain wrestling set to put on a house show at pearl's palace which is a nightclub over the river from Cincinnati. After a disastrous show, the last time they were in, the club owners wanted to change the rent deal. SMW were planning on pulling out of the building anyway, 
So, but Jim Cornette had it under under guidance that they were going to do one more show under the old deal at Pearl's Palace in Cincinnati. He found out close to the time of the show that no, you're now doing it under the new deal and it's more expensive. Pony up, and to which Jim Cornette went, ah, no, no. So somebody from SMW called Pearl's Palace, uh, Peel's Palace, the night, the morning before the show to cancel on behalf of SMW. But they, they'd kind of announced a wrestling show. So what they did at the palace was they got uh, local promoter Bob Harmon and Johnny Diamond, and they put together a wrestling show comprised of locals from Les Thatcher's wrestling school. They put a sign outside that said, this is not an SMW show. And it was uh, professionals. And it was, it, was, it was trainees from the wrestling school. Mm-hmm. D'Lo Brown and New Jack turned up anyway. Knowing that the show was cancelled, they just turned up anyway. And they got into the building. They got booked on the show. (laughs) And New Jack was part of the main event. But before the main event, New Jack decided to get in amongst it in the crowd and was in with the fans, heckling all the wrestlers, some of whom, according to Dave, by all accounts, were too inexperienced to even be in the ring. Dave, Dave goes on to say... During a tag match, New Jack threw a bar table onto the shoulder of one of the wrestlers and separated their shoulder. And they've they've gone, although that was perhaps an accident. (laughs) You threw a table at the poor lad. In the main event, a 10-man elimination tag. This one's in the bag. New Jack did a run-in, began throwing real punches in several people's faces, including giving one wrestler a 12-stitch cut from a punch in the mouth. New Jack later claimed the guy who had been racist backstage. Uh, There's no evidence of either of that. Uh, When it was apparent that New Jack was just taking liberties and punching people for real, uh, a security guard for the building, a big tall geezer named Mike McCord, uh, grabbed New Jack, (laughs) who started fighting him until they threw New Jack out of the building. Police turned up to calm things down. (laughs) Oh, New Jack, you wacky little fella. But the fans never forgot that show. Absolutely not. What a <clears> night. <throat> Do you remember hearing about this at the time, or is this fresh for your ears? This, this is news to me, and I'm glad you shared that story because it only adds to the legend of New Jack. Just every and and the thing is, you could read that, and sometimes you might go, "Oh, is that real though?" But then you see the parties involved, and you go, <clears throat> "Yeah, that's New Jack. It's it's real. That that happened, I think, verbatim." Many many years ago, former ESPN writer Bill Simmons concocted this thing called the Tyson Zone. What is it? It's named for Mike Tyson. It's when a celebrity's behavior becomes so outlandish that when you hear any story about them, no matter how crazy it is, you automatically assume it's true because of their nature. Mm-hmm. Like, if I told you that Mike Tyson was, was going to open a farm and breed unicorns, you'd believe me. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd, so, I'd ask where it is. I'd go visit. <clears throat> If, if there are no ifs, ands, or buts in, in your mind about hearing, hearing, that st- hearing the anecdote, that that means that that person has entered the Tyson zone. <laughs> <clears throat> like, there's a, oh, Marty, oh, Marty Janae posted about um, finding gold under his, uh, under, his, under his yard, so he stole a, a, a backhoe and tried to dug the whole thing up and found uh, Jimmy Hoffa. You go, yep, typical Marty. 
that's Marty. And the, but then Marty confuses things because then Marty will, will go, hey, I did a terrible thing. <laughs> and then we'll all go, oh, Marty, mate, that's that's bad. Ah, you're all marks. Even the policeman that arrested me, I didn't even do it. And then we go, okay, mate, cool. And then a week later you go, but I did do it. <laughs> like, Marty, mate, just shut up. <laughs> Point is, New Jack is <laughs> is firmly implanted in in the Tyson zone. Point yes, yeah, point is, New Jack and Marty Jannetty should also face each other. That would be interesting. Oh, right. That is uh, the resting news for this week. Let's throw it over to Justin Henry talking us through <coughs> Monday Night Raw for April seventeenth. Where and when are we, Justin? Well, you've already said when, so let's go oh, yeah. to the, let's go to the <laughs> where. This was taped two weeks earlier at the Mid Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York. Yay, cold cook. Yes. Cold cuts. Yes. It, it, it is the third hour of the taping. We're down to the scraps. Oh, I love I love this. Like the third hour of a raw taping is like, and I'm I, I can only think of a British version of it. When you've had when you've had fish and chips and you've eaten the chips and you've eaten the fish, and there's just like little bits of crustiness left at the bottom. Like that is where we're at. We're at the bottom of a chippy bag mm. when we get to these episodes of Raw. I was thinking like the um, like some banquet or or some dinner party, and like the uh, this the steam tray with sweet potatoes. There's just there's like a thin cold layer of gunk at the bottom now. There's, there's, oh! there's some possibly edible potatoes still in there, but is it worth it? <laughs> like it's grown like a skin. Exactly, it is. <laughs> it's borderline cannibalism if you bit into it at this point. <laughs> it's got welts now. Oh God, it's so, it can hear me. <laughs> now, I, I noted on Twitter that we'd watched three good episodes of Raw in a row, mm-hmm. and I counted the Brett Owen one match extravaganza as being good because. If you base it on match ratings, the average rating per match on that show was like three and three quarter stars. Not a bad night of wrestling. Yeah, because it was really not. Because it was one goddamn match. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the magic. That is <clears throat> that is the trick. That's what we need to do. <clears throat> we just need one night, one match, one really good match, and some fluff around it. <clears throat> that's fine. Then the last two shows had the mini glow. Mm. Yeah, he had he had the Blaze Nakano show. Tremendous because it had Sid turning on Sean off camera, which we, we, we made fun of it, but it was still an enjoyably energetic show. Mm-hmm. And then we had last week, which had the great six man tag. So now we come to, well, this. <laughs> as, we, as we said before, the scraps. Advertised going into the show were the debut of, of, of Jean Pierre Lafitte as he faced Duke to Dumpster Jersey. And a tag team title match with Owen and Yoko defending against Bob Holly and the One Two Three Kid. So, kind of excited. This could be interesting. Oh, they've got to live up the expectations. They so failed to live up the expectations. We start with footage from Action Zone from the day before. Just a little teaser, though. We see the Million Dollar Corporation inside the ring. DiBiase's on mic. Bigelow's kind of like pensively hanging in the background. And which is the new crowning jewel, good phrase to use here, of the uh, of the Million Dollar Corporation, Sid. <laughs> Just a small tease for further exposition later. But yes, Sid has now um, had the black cat thrown in front of him, so to speak, and is now the uh, 
member of the Million Dollar Corporation, which is the kiss of death for anybody's career. I've written in my notes here, this is like Ozzy Osbourne joining a Black Sabbath tribute band. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Liam Gallagher joining No Way Sis. Like, this is, this is such a, such, and do you know what? They are, we'll talk more about it later on, but mm. God, what a, what a bunch of, bunch of yayos. <laughs> the million dollar corporation. <laughs> Just, they are delightfully crap at this point. <laughs> this is like John Gotti becoming a Dick Tracy villain. <laughs> <laughs> I popped Tom. <laughs> oh, oh God. Oh, this is going to be fun. Oh God. The million dollar corporation. You, you stupid asses. John, do that by the way. Thanks, mate. Yes. Here's your new allies. Prune face, little face, and fuck face. <laughs> I'll leave it to you, the listener at home, to decide which one is which. <laughs> So, I read my notes here. HFGS, which is now my shorthand for Holy Effing Green Screen. Oh, it's now it's not as bad this week. What? They've got the, the it's not as bad because last week they were like little tiny pixie men in a, in Giant World from Super Mario Brothers three. <laughs> like at least at least this week they've got like they've attempted to get the uh, the, the proportions and the dimensions right. At least this week, there's an attempt. Like, someone's had a word. <laughs> no green suits. I wonder why. <laughs> I wish they had. <laughs> so, the running down our show here, we have our first little indication that Diesel versus Sid is going to be imminent. I can't. Um, I can't not wait. But next week. <laughs> can't not, not, not wait. But next week, Bam Bam Bigelow. He's getting a shot at the WWF Championship when he faces Diesel. The man who's coming off losing to a football player at WrestleMania 11 is getting a world title match. Why would you promote that the moment Raw starts? Like, would you not announce that later? Like, hey, welcome. Welcome to our show. Bin this off. Next week's going to be better. <laughs> well, like that's, like that's that beat. It just seems weird to start off with an announcement for next week. Like you surely give it a little bit of room to give the show room to breathe before you're telling people to tune in next week. Well, it's interesting because this is the day after Easter. So this would have been one of the few nights a year that I could have stayed up and watched the whole episode of raw. Yeah. My bedtime. You could back have in actually the day. seen this whole thing go down. And this is the show we get. You think this would be the <laughs> diesel Bigelow show, but no. Oh man. So, and then they plug the tag title match and then we go to our opener which is the occupational gimmick showdown between Duke, pitting Duke the Dumpster Drossy against the debuting Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Yes, some PCO goodness. Well, PCO, yes, but let's, let's hold off on the goodness here. <clears throat> some good history from Lawler as he's coming out, though. Like, he's, he's, he's up on his pirateness. So he's uh so he got WrestleMania 11 illegally. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what he did. He's uh <laughs> hey hey Vince, I've got a bit torrent. What the hell's a bit torrent? You'll know in five years. <laughs> hey, let me go on dial up here. Watch this whole pay per view. <laughs> Somebody's uploaded WrestleMania 11 to Prodigy. 
<laughs> I'm trying to imagine watching Mania 11 on the internet back then. And we're like, what it would do to like the um, oh. power and all the houses around you. Like it'd be Christmas vacation. You gotta hit the auxiliary <laughs> button, turn it all back on. And it would be on a bit crunched window mm-hmm. uh, about the size of a th- of a size of a cup. <laughs> with with the majority of that window taken up by the the, the time skipper on the bottom. <laughs> and it would have just been like incredibly bit crunched. It would have been amazing. It sounds like more trouble than it's worth. It does, doesn't it? I think the internet at that point was in general more trouble than it's worth. I I can recall coming home from school many a day in seventh grade in nineteen ninety seven and trying to get on AOL three point or four point the hell it was <laughs> and and hearing that dial tone for like fifteen straight minutes it was like oh good we finally got through <laughs> kids today have it way too easy yeah you, you they they don't know what it's like to suffer through waiting to dial up to see if you can get on mm-hmm. you know they don't they don't know they're born you know some some sometimes it would take us. About 25 minutes to download a picture. Oh, yeah. Imagine that. An hour for a theme song. Oh, if you wanted a theme song, you'd have to really want a theme song. Mm-hmm. I remember pitching naps. I remember when we got Napster, and I was like, this is great because it takes less time to walk to the shop to buy the single. <laughs> don't don't pirate music. <laughs> um, and then and then by the end of the time on AOL, I was like, actually, I could probably walk into town quicker and come back. <laughs> You're looking at your watch. This teal hopper theme better be worth it. <laughs> yeah. It's porn. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I wanted teal hopper's theme. <laughs> well, speaking of piracy, we go back to the Lafitte, who hails from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That's nice. Because I, I believe Jean Lafitte was settled in Louisiana at some point. So, but they picked the most French-sounding city that's there. They're very good with, with their hometowns of, of gimmicky wrestlers and stuff aren't they w- usually they've always been they've always been good the fact that um dexter loomis is from recluse is great <laughs> I, I, I always thought um haku had the best one in wcw from some unknown part of the planet <laughs> <laughs> i like how it's not even the country it's the planet <laughs> should have been Jor-El. <laughs> so I hear he's from Mercury. So Lafitte gets a pretty understated entrance for a new character. This kind of mm. walks out amongst the shadows. Now I realize you can't fit like a pirate ship in through this little venue, but it's kind of they walks. Could have if they tried, they just chose not to try. Exactly. We learned that the coins in the pouch around his neck are, and this is an exact quote from Vince: "Blessed by Cajun witch." Not a Cajun witch, but Cajun witch. Like, a, like it's a person's name. Hi, I'm Cajun witch. <laughs> Hi, I'm Cajun witch. This is my wife, Susan. He's <laughs> my daughter, Blair. <laughs> and my son, man. <laughs> and my entrepreneurial cousin, Denny's Grand Slam. Mm. God damn it, now I'm hungry again. <laughs> <laughs> so Lafitte takes and has all this ornate stuff that he has to take off before the match. I imagine it can't be easy wrestling in those knee-high boots of his. It's very um he's very swashbucklery though. He looks very piratey. If there's one thing for our boy PCO, he looks very piratey. 
Very much so. Yeah. We get a weird moment early on because, you know, we've discussed on the show before how Vince has to overemphasize if somebody's a heel. Like, like when Owen Hart, would have, when some fans would cheer for Owen, Vince had to be like, oh, he must have paid for those fans to get in. Yeah, like he has to lay it on a bit thick, doesn't he? Yeah, like he, he like you, the, the fans can't cheer for him. He's the heel. We have to, we have to work to keep them the heel. Lafitte is wearing an eye patch as part of his um, gimmick, and of course, we know that uh, Carlo Letos is, is is blinded in one eye from a childhood accident. Mm-hmm. No, he is legit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's wearing the eye patch as part of the motif. And <clears throat> Vince disgustedly asks if Pierre can see through the patch. Because somehow that would be cheating. <laughs> Imagine the mindset of that. Of oh, well, he's wearing an eye patch. If he takes his eye patch off, he's therefore cheating. It's like, like now can he see through that patch? That's like it's like what difference make? Jersey has two functional eyes. <laughs> it's, it's like he's trying he's trying to accuse him of something that makes no sense. This be the this be the worst lawyer ever. <laughs> so he has McDevitt. Exactly. So he gets someone to do it for him. <laughs> so now, I had an expectation for this match because because I haven't seen this in many years, decades. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's going to be four minutes tops, and Lafitte's going to just make you know look strong in victory and finish him off because we haven't seen Duke in a while. Duke's just is just here to eat the pin, basically. This match went 11 minutes. This was too long. This should have been a random, and, I, and I'm, I know there's a lot of random jobber action on Raw in general, but this is a match that should have had just a random jobber for Pierre to eat up. Oh yeah, and and and, and Jersey like dominated half of it. Mm. What should have happened if if, if you're gonna make, make something out of this, turn into a feud, have Lafitte steal his trash truck. <laughs> That'd have been amazing. <laughs> I mean, how can I get behind a guy who steals a trash truck? The, the story could be that Duke, um, some like maybe Pierre was having a yard sale selling off his piratey wares, and Duke accidentally thought it was garbage because it was very close to the sidewalk. So he put it in the truck, and Pierre's like, You threw out my family heirlooms, now you will die. <laughs> See, this is a story that's fanfic I can get behind. I, I made an attempt, which is more than they did. <laughs> Why don't they just make Lafitte the new repo man? Spell his name R E P A U X. Repo man. <laughs> repo Gaston. Oh, uh-huh, what's mine is mine. What's yours is mine too. Uh... Repo Monsieur. <laughs> John. Yes. John. Well, that's a slam dunk for John. If you're if you're French, we apologize for our accents, but we, we are Monty Python fans. Can't hear you. I'll never apologize for my accent. Hey, but but so you knock your mic out of frame there. In, in tapping my mic <laughs> to alert John, I turned it off. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, oh no. Yeah, then. <laughs> oh <laughs> no, whatever we do, Tom's not here anymore. Now go whatever away. Now go away, or Lafitte shall taunt you at second time. <laughs> I fought in your general direction. <laughs> your mother was a hamster. <laughs> and your grand, so your son smells of elderberries. Would Vince find that brilliant? Hey, it's that fart. <laughs> yeah, but I th- if Vince had written, if Vince had written Monty Python and the Holy Grail, it would have become an entire film about the Frenchman on the castle. 
saying fart to people. And then it would have bombed and Vince would have gone, well, I just don't understand it. That was the best part of the film. <laughs> and then Hacksaw Jim Duggan beats him at the end and races the American flag. <laughs> that's exactly what would have happened in America. He does the running. America. He does the running gag where he's he's running eight hundred yards away and the guards watching him. He gets closer. Then all of a sudden he close lines him. And then he just reappears in the two <laughs> Monty Python search for better third hour ratings. <laughs> Here's Seth Rollins. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> it's the life of Daniel Bryan. Oh, John. <laughs> <laughs> How shall we fuck off, oh, Mid Carter? <laughs> You're all Mid Carters. Yes, we're all Mid Carters. <laughs> now, fuck off. <laughs> How shall we fuck off, Daniel? <laughs> I can see this too. How dare he make the show entertaining? <laughs> we're putting a lot of a, a lot of adobo on this rotten chicken. <laughs> to try and get something out of it. Apart from, apart, apart from excellent wrestling, high quality production values, and a future for the industry, what has NXT ever given us? <laughs> apart, from, apart from Sasha Banks, Bailey, Charlotte Flair, <laughs> all the others, what has NXT ever given us? Well, it, it didn't give us this. No, it certainly didn't. We do have a commentary line that I've got some expanded. I've got some expanded information on. Oh no! Um, so, if you remember pop-up video from back in the day on VH1, yeah. Imagine you're watching this as as Vince and Jerry Lawler are talking about Princess Diana seen shopping in Washington D.C. Oh no! In Washington, rather. So, like, whoop. Uh, Princess Diana did indeed go shopping in Washington in this particular week. Mm-hmm. And they shut JC Penny on the Monday morning when this episode was going to air. They shut JC Penny. And Diana and Charles and their aides all went in and had a, a big old look around JC Penny. And in her time walking around JC Penny, Princess Diana, may she rest in peace, candle in the wind, um, bought an $8 silk scarf and then left. But, and before you go cheapskate, because word got round that Diana had come in and bought this particular $8 silk scarf, word travelled really quick. Within an hour after the show, the store opened to regular people, that scarf had completely sold out. Oh, that's power of a uh, call the to personality. Power of die. The power of die. Power of lady die. I power of lady die. Candle in the wind. I can only hope that her and Charles went to Spencer's Gifts afterwards. <laughs> what does this thing do? I, <laughs> I hope they went to the M&M store. <laughs> Would it have been there, actually? No, that's in, that's in Times Square, isn't it? What am I talking about? Yeah, DC's a, something different. What shop would it have been weird for Princess Diane to, to go in? I think Hot Topic. Yeah, yeah Diane comes out wearing a um, tragically hip shirt. <laughs> for 95 
God bless you, Princess Di, candle in the wind. <laughs> you have to say that in the UK when you mention Princess Di, candle in the wind. I think when you say Sabu's name, he has to point at the ceiling. Yeah, so whenever, yeah, so when Sabu points, <laughs> Sabu points, we go Princess Di, candle in the wind. I'm trying to Sabu, Princess Di parallel. <laughs> Hey, I've just realized this is funny. Um, I, I, there was a tweet that did the rounds over the weekend, this past weekend, which said that the person born 58 days after you is your, is your mortal enemy. And uh, I thought, oh, okay, it's, it's, it sounds like hokum, but this is fun. So I thought, who was born 28 days after, or 58 days after my birthday? And uh, lo and behold, it's Elton John. So Elton John is my mortal enemy now. So here I am going candle in the wind. Well, now I have, to, prob- I have to see this for myself yeah. here. Um... Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll just check it's 58 days, 58 days. And give me the and, date. Uh, November 6th. Six- birthday. November 16th. I should know that, shouldn't I? Okay. January what? Wednesday, January the 13th. January 13th. You can do this at home if you're listening to the cult. Oh, one of my best or... friends has that birthday. That's oh, a, there you go then. That's interesting. Let me just find a famous person so I could uh make this semi entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Yang comes up. No, I'm not Vince. <laughs> famous birthdays, January 13th. Is he? Liam Hemsworth, mate. Who's uh-huh. Hemsworth's brother? The one that is oh Patrick Dempsey. That's, that's an interesting interesting shout. Rip Get Taylor. Him. Yes. <laughs> well, don't worry. I won that one. Rip's coming for you, mate. With a bucket of, of, of confetti. La di da, la di da. Oh my God, mate! Robert Stack. Elaine from Elaine from Seinfeld. What do you mean I'm not sponge worthy? <laughs> okay, enough having fun. Back to the show. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> I know. Bill Bailey shares your birthday. Who? He's, he won. He won uh, Strictly Come Dancing this year. He's a comedian from over here. I was gonna he say what, musical instruments. He's brilliant. Is he the guy in the comic strip about about military life? That's Beetle Bailey. That's Beetle. <laughs> Beetle Bailey. <laughs> Wrong Bailey. You'll know Bill Bailey. He's a musical. He's a musician from the UK who has described his head as looking like an egg with a shower curtain behind it. <laughs> okay. So this so this match slows down. Thank God we were talking during it. <laughs> Vince is back to reading the paper, and uh... it says it all done it. That Vince is just thumbing through the paper. This is Jean Pierre Lafitte's debut. <laughs> well, uh... hey, what's your horoscope, Jerry? <laughs> this is Jean Pierre Lafitte's debut. It's awful, mate. <laughs> Dead on arrival. <laughs> And it sucks because there's so much potential with this boy. There's a flying nothing spot. They filmed from the wrong angle, so we see that he didn't even hit Pierre in the face with his boot. <laughs> As his match limps on into day six. <laughs> Our cl- round the clock coverage of Jersey versus Lafitte. The funny Jersey misses a flying splash, which I'm amazed he attempted. Pierre goes up, cannonball. I'm sorry, I was doing Anchorman. <laughs> Jeff Hardy watching somewhere going, that'll be a good move. <laughs> Jean Pierre Lafitte wins. It was a very dull match. And it's like to the back because 
not even linger on this impressive win by this newcomer. Now let's just move Whose on. Whose idea was it to debut Jean-Pierre Lafitte in a competitive match against, with the greatest of respect, a lower mid-carder? I don't know, but you see how they're having problems in 95? Yeah. Pierre could have been really valuable are. for you. I don't get it. I mean, like, okay, NXT in 2021, they tend to do these things where they will debut somebody against a, a fairly compass mid-card type. And the formula is very much the same. You'd have early start by the newcomer, bit of a comeback by the, by the compass mentis mid-carder, but the, it's a short form. The new guy wins. That kind of is how they go. They don't want to, they, they don't bury the newcomer, but at the same time, they don't completely bury the mid-carder. Mm-hmm. You know, they get a couple of knocks in there. This, like, if this had been Drosy getting a couple of punches in on Jean-Pierre and then maybe quickly going for that splash off the top, missing, that would have been all right. Then Pierre recovers, hits that lovely scent on Cannonball. That would have been fine. But no, we have to have, for some reason, a long-winded <laughs> competitive match between the two. I just realized Bob Holly worked his taping three times in this match went 11 minutes. Was there like an outbreak? <laughs> that is really like Bob Ollie. It's just where is everybody? I think there must just be a shortage of people on the ground, and they're just using. I think they. I think they just. They're in this midst of using Bob Holly a lot. Hmm. So I think it's just a bit of that. It's just. It's a lot of love for Bob at the moment. I suppose, because 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 this was um this felt like hour three of a taping as we'll continue to point out. Then we get a bit with Bob Backlund on spring break because it's Bob Backlund joke cannot die. So Bob so, Backlund. Okay. This was, this was interesting. I wasn't massively against this as a thing. So we see Bob Backlund is on the beach. He had, he has the nose gunk on, but he's wearing, he's wearing his otherwise tuxedo outfit minus the jacket. It's warm, but he kept the shirt and vest. You right there, Tommy. I like it. I like it. Personally, huh. it was just very Alex walked through the door, so I was just saying hello. I was okay, just shouting hello. You lost your head for a second there on Zoom. Oh, <laughs> bye. <laughs> oh no, I now, I now live, I now live in 1995. Yeah. It shows so bad we're just amusing ourselves at this point. Goodbye forever. Yeah, so Bob, so yes, yeah, so, oh yeah, so to explain that, um, we're doing this on Zoom and uh, I have the Monday Night Raw background behind me to yeah. set the mood. One day we might show you. Don't threaten me like that. When we when we sell tickets to Coldaholic Classic Raw Review live, um, we'll do this, mate. One day we will do this show live. That fills me with dread. We will do it live in front of a crowd when we can, and the world's not on fire. <laughs> I will come to a Mania Week. We will do this show live in front of a crowd. In Texas for 38. I don't want to go to Texas. Come to Texas with me, mate. Mania 38. Mania week. We'll have a lovely time, me and you. We'll have a lads week in Mania. And then we'll do this podcast live. I'm from Philly. I'm from Philly. I refuse to set foot in Dallas. Pachiti will foot the bill. It's fine. Mm. Pachiti will pay for everything. Mm. He'll give you the the Cotaholic platinum card. Mm. It'll be fine. You hear me? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's you going, uh, uh, I think it's a great idea. Uh, Tweet so, us if you think it's a great idea. Uh. 
one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So Bob Backlund is on the beach with, as, as mentioned, with, with the nose goop and the jacketless tuxedo, which is a great look. He was like a lost ventriloquist puppet. <laughs> so he's going on about education to the camera, but the, but the joke is the cameraman keeps wanting to look at the bikini girls that are just off to his left shoulder and back him, and bats the camera back in place. So that, that's kind of amusing, but then they do it 12 times. So the, the joke here is that Vince hires pervert cameramen. That's the that's the gag. Yeah, back on keeping this guy in line. <laughs> yeah, as he should. As he should. Mm. Mm. I mean, perhaps the gag could have been that Backlund was just so boring, he's bloviating at length. The cameraman's just trying to find something to take his mind off of, you know, this sermon he's being besieged by. And he gets stopped by... Uh, Back them 12 times. <laughs> Bless you for counting. I did write this goes on a while. I could have wrote that for the opener too. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe they're just padding. I think they are. Yeah. Because if we are at like the third hour of a taping, like this is just like the, what what have we got left that we haven't put on telly yet? Um, <laughs> that and that. <laughs> this is the watered down orange drink. <sighs> So we get the fuller footage of, of, of Sid being inducted into the main a million dollar corporation. To go back to the Bob Backlund thing very quickly. Okay. Uh, I, my notes just say, I like this. I hope it goes somewhere. And, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm, yeah, that's that was your laughter there is pretty much what my fear is that it doesn't. Well, it like, I like the idea of Bob on the beach. I mean, it kind of goes somewhere, but then that doesn't go somewhere. <laughs> and nobody goes anywhere. Nah, that's exactly it. So Vince accuses DiBiase of having Sid employed before WrestleMania, which is kind of a weird. It's like Vince's um, it's turning the Jesse Ventura, Ventura conspiracy theory at this point. 
What if Sid was on the payroll the entire time and cost Sean the match, knowing that he'd rather fight the larger Diesel than the smaller Sean? <laughs> Follow the money trail, people. <laughs> or sheeple. <laughs> Wake that, up, that's... America. <laughs> and how is it that Earl Hebner was the evil referee in, in the Hogan title switch, but then got hired afterwards? <laughs> and also, who closes the door when the bus driver gets off? <laughs> I've never figured that out, McMahon. If Barbie is so popular, why do you have to buy her friends? <laughs> it's how they get you with the money. They're <laughs> bleeding you Follow dry. the money trail. <laughs> like Homer watching JFK. Like, I think Back I... to the left. <laughs> so we have Doink next. Speaking Yay. of things that, that just won't go away, Doink versus Roy Raymond. I did Google Roy Raymond and it came up with the guy who founded Victoria's Secret. I, I don't think this is him. I don't think this is the same guy. <laughs> I was hoping it was Rob. I think Roy. the only Victoria's Secret he found was maybe something that belonged to his wife in her bedside table. <laughs> I was hoping this would be Rob Roy. And we get, I can watch the movie instead. Rob Roy. <laughs> Welcome to the Coltonic Classic Rob Roy review. <laughs> <laughs> See, whilst the other lads are. <laughs> the other lads are watching, are watching Vikings on Amazon Prime videos. <laughs> We are here back in 1671 <laughs> discussing Scottish outlaws who become folk heroes. So you know Vince is completely out to lunch on this show because as soon as as soon as the shizen begins, Vince goes on about this survey about what men sleep in. Some sleep in underwear, some don't sleep in anything at all. <laughs> what you said about padding, I think is true. <laughs> Vince, like, and, and I know what Vince is doing. Like Vince is doing what what radio jocks do all the time, just thumbing through the newspaper to 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 drop in a little bit of topicality, and and it's sometimes at the expense of just decent creativity. Like instead of like he's so adamant that he wants to make he wants to make this plate of warmed up Chinese food from three nights ago look like a freshly made meal for two. From a, from a from a sophisticated restaurant that he's just he is he's not focusing on the matter at hand which is you've just had a guy make their debut and you couldn't be stuffed you 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 have a major angle taking place ahead of a new type of pay-per-view and you just can't be bothered this is uh it's not good it's really not jerry lawler's 180 on duck man Shows how little attention is being paid in this show. Got the Duckman shirt, and Vince buries him for wearing it. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you imagine Vince burying like what was on USA Now? Like hockey? You watch hockey? <laughs> I can if the hockey meant that the wrestling had been uh, had been delayed. <laughs> what kind of loser could sit and watch eight hours of Law and Order SVU reruns <laughs> in a row? <laughs> You have nothing to do on your day off, asshole. <laughs> the better off, huh? <laughs> do some origami or something, Jesus. <laughs> 
you'll have the option soon enough when you get the when you get the, the Peacock Premium WWE Network. Oh yeah, it's um. <laughs> does that affect like how does that affect you? Have you already got Peacock? I don't have Peacock yet, but I guess I have to get it now. You got to get it now. Right? <laughs> I think you get migrated over. I think that's what they said in the news thing that if you're a WWE Network subscriber in the US, you get migrated over. I feel like a WWE undercarder. I just want to have some freedom and enjoy myself, but now I have to deal with the office. <laughs> not even the good office either. That's that's the gag. That's the winner. Not even the good office. The one with all the oh, gifs. Yours, yours is. Yours is all right. No, it's not. Not too. <laughs> hey, hey, look, Pam. Pam Mayton has this expressionless look on her face, and she stared at the camera. Hilarity. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of what the British one was about. But I think they just made it two seasons and then <laughs> called it a day. Hey, Jim's being an asshole to Dwight again. <laughs> but Jim's the hero in the situation. Oh, the hell with that show. Anyone ever like this Stanley? <laughs> they did stretch it. Stanley had it right. He just hated everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you Stanley in that office then. I I understand Stanley. Um, I Stanley. So this match sucks except for when Doink hits a hits, hits a Doctor Death esque backdrop driver. That, that almost, was phenomenal. That almost kills Roy Raymond. <laughs> that was too good. <laughs> Doink was all Japan esque in that moment. I'd like it if Doink just decided to start wrestling. Like, <laughs> John, please He's going full Doctor Death. John, please add Doink to the four pillars. Make him the fifth pillar. <laughs> With Misawa, Kawada, Tawei, and Kabashi, Doink, <laughs> and tag them all in it <laughs> without oh. context. <laughs> See, yeah, Doink could have won the Champions Carnival. We know that he, it's a carnival. He, of course, Doink could win it. I, do you know what? I'm genuinely here for a Doink the Clown that wrestles like an absolute machine. Well, Matt Bourne like, kind of did that. Yeah, exactly. We like like what we had with Matt Bourne, like a, a clown that comes out popping kids balloons with cigars, and then just beats the shine out of somebody. Well, he was good at it, and then they ruined it because they had to make it one note. Yeah, they they do that, don't they? They try. They 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 they. they, they they like they shrink everything down. They feast everything down into like this this one malleable paste with yeah. so many gimmicks. They just go, "That's your thing." Mm. They they don't consider that maybe a food can be multiple flavors. It doesn't just have to be the one. Gotta keep it simple because people are simple. I think Vince McMahon eats his meat wraps without a single bit of seasoning on. Probably. Yeah. That's I don't enjoy- think he seasons his food. That's Vince enjoy- doesn't season his food. Pass it on. You don't enjoy food, you conquer it. <laughs> <laughs> I beat my dinner. He beats his meat. I beat my meat. <laughs> so, speaking of uh, Vince and things he finds amusing, uh, we'll be cushion finishes and they bring the sound effect back. You even think it's a version of it, and he gets he his own little we'll cushion. He's a high pitched version, doesn't he? Bless his little face. Mm. It's pretty dumb, but the only part that amused me, other than Dwayne going all all Japan here, was Lawler talking about upcoming NFL draft pick Kajana Carter, and now every team's going to vie for him. I thought it was kind of amusing because he washed out of the NFL after nine seasons, nine injury-plagued seasons, in which he never reached his potential. He's, meanwhile, he's been talking about like, like, like as though he was the next big thing, and 
well, they had high hopes and didn't work out. It is a funny, yeah. I, I, that what that particular bit of knowledge I wasn't aware of. I knew he mentioned it, and I thought I should have made a note to ask you about that because normally, whenever they go, Hey, this guy is gonna be a thing, I always go, I must ask Justin if there, that guy became a thing. Well, long story, long story short, Kajana Carter was a running back who was going to be who was the top pick of the draft. Cincinnati picked him first, so and being the first pick, he was high expectations, obviously, and repeated knee injuries and such, and he never. Had like one good season in his career, and he and he just kind of fell into the dustpin as one of those busts that, but that wasn't really his fault, unfortunately. It just happened. Well, Jerry Lawler had high hopes at this particular in this particular week in nineteen ninety five. So did most football experts. So he so he, he he wasn't going out on a limb there. He was following the consensus. Fair enough. We get the first in your house report of many. Well, I like Todd's table. It's very nice. For, Nice. It looks like a corner of a ring. I'm I'm here for that. I'm here for that. And yet it's contemporary. It's kitschy yet mm. contemporary. Yeah, I I think he. I wish he could have brought that back when they did take over in your house. He should have a little table in front of him. And they probably sold it the paper Brett's contract in '97. <laughs> Quite likely, at a yard sale. <laughs> and and then and then picked it up and threw it in the truck. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a good little mini game in uh, in WWF in your house, like the bonus round. And there's Bret Hart, like there's, there's 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 a moving truck with Bret Hart in it, and you have to throw money at the moving truck <laughs> to make the truck come back. <laughs> but then you did it, it. He stays for a bit, and then after a year, you decide, no, go rather, <laughs> rather have the money. <laughs> But I, exactly because that's what happened but i digress we todd has the balls to call this as unpredictable as wrestlemania <laughs> well i can't predict who's gonna win a house so that's true the one thing i noticed about these in your house report this and, and i think this will be the case going forward there's a lot of heavy emphasis on this being a family night a family night for all the families and then it dawned on me oh, okay because it's on mother's day Mm-hmm. This pay-per-view is on Mother's Day. Yes. So they're they're pitching it the whole idea of, hey, you don't know what to get for your mom? What about a WWF pay-per-view? Get every all the family together to watch this. Please, dear God, watch this. We're struggling. <laughs> and I I I admire the, the 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 guts of that to go, let's pitch this as a family night activity <laughs> when blatantly it's not. If I bought my mom a wrestling pay-per-view for Mother's Day, I'd still be grounded. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. We're going to watch Zid versus Diesel. It, it is good that you bring that up, though, because Todd really went in the overdrive here, putting over WF as the leader in pay-per-views, the leader in sports entertainment, for two reasons. One, UFC, as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. where there's smoke, there's fire. And the other, a certain rival wrestling organization has expanded its pay-per-view calendar and maybe taking a few more bites out of the WWF piece of the pie. This is true. So, so they do more Clash stuff, aren't they? At, in Not so much Clash stuff, but I mean, they're running Great American Bash and Bash at the Beach now in the same year, which is the first time they've ever done that. Because normally they do one or the other. Yes. Actually, they kind of did it in 92, sort of. That was Beach Blast, but same principle. But they have Slamboree in, in May. They just had Uncensored in March. They're tightening up the calendar now. 
And WF is now going to this in-your-house model to try and compete, to try and stave off the dragon with this cheaper option. Yeah, I mean, I don't, the, the idea of running like a cheaper pay-per-view mm-hmm. isn't a bad one. Yeah, it's like it's like an in-between a Saturday Night's main event and a regular pay-per-view. It's kind of in the yeah. middle. I think if I've been a wrestling fan at this point, I think in the, if it was like the equivalent of like nine or ten pounds for like a, a, a smaller pay-per-view, I probably would have invested or got my mom or dad to invest. I probably would have been behind that. If it was a smaller show, I might be behind that now. If it's like, hey, it's a smaller show, it's five matches, some beefy stuff on there, it's a tenner. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, I'll sink a tenner. Well, we'll see if this show is worth 15 bucks. We will find out together. when we. Because so far we only have soon. one match announced. It is Diesel versus... And, uh, well, at least Diesel and Sid have new promo shots rather than Diesel staring off camera and Sid half staring at the camera, half staring off camera. They've actually more made a little bit of effort with them, haven't they? They made a nice bit of effort with them, which I quite like. And they're outside the house that they're going to no- give away. Yeah, exactly. They should have fought in the house. <laughs> Just up the reason. Missed opportunity. But then again, Orton and Wyatt did the same thing, and that was and that was and that was no good. But then they didn't give away the house. Oh no! I think someone... I'd have I'd have gone for that house. I wouldn't want that house. <laughs> Would not want that house. The house itself looks lovely. Uh, so, uh... They're giving away for this, by the way. It looks like a lovely house. I I did a little search on Google Street View because you can see the you can still see where it's based online it's still a place and uh, it looks lovely it's on a next to a golf course it's overlooking a lake it's in orlando florida it's a nice holiday home yeah i like I li- I'd, I'd have had a go i'd have had a go within a house and of course there's just two plugs here it's diesel versus sid and of course the house plug and that's about it that's all we that's have all we so far with four weeks to go but sid and diesel that'll sell it surely <laughs> No. That'll sell it, surely. <laughs> see, Tom made a face there. You people didn't see that. Yeah, I did a face. Because <laughs> spoiler, Sid and Diesel won't sell it. No. You it bonded two companies. <laughs> so then we come to what I figured was going to save the show. The tag team title match with Owen Hart and Yokozuna taking on one, two, three kid and Bob Holly. This is Holly's third match of this taping. He faced Hakushi two weeks ago. He, uh, he was part of the six-man tag last week, although he was in it sparsely. He's, he came, came in for the hot tag and got the pin at the end, really. Now we have this. There's I a lot of red in this match. from Vince McMahon at the start of this one as, as one, two, three, kid and Bob Holly were coming out. And the first thing Vince says is, Do you believe in miracles? Like, oh, mate, they've not even started from... wrestling yet, you know? He stole that from Al Michaels. The famous U.S. versus Russia hockey game in 1980. Oh. That's Al's signature call. Right as time ran out with the U.S. barely holding the lead over the fearsome Russian team. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Right as, right as the horn sounds. It's one of those contemporary calls you always remember. So that's up there with um, England winning the World Cup in 66. The famous call well, of the commentator saying, and the crowd are already on the pitch. They think it's all over. It is now. It's that level of sporting mm-hmm. importance. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it, it's part of the lexicon. Mm. It's, it's one of those, uh, you, you remember just that signature? Like I was watching Vince Scully's famous call recently of um, 
Hank Aaron's 715th home run, the one that broke Babe Ruth's record because Hank Aaron passed away days before we recorded this. Just like certain calls just stay with you. And Al Michaels, when he called them, when, when he called the U.S. big upset over Russia 41 years ago, Jesus Christ, it was, um, it was a memorable call that endures to this day. And Al will even parody it sometimes because it's that well known to this day. Vince here just throws it out arbitrarily. <laughs> like, like, I remember when somebody said that once. I want some context, douche. But don't worry, we have something contemporary here. Because Lawler compares one, two, three kids' hair to, hair, hair to Marsha Clark's hairstyle. <laughs> oh, Christ. And then Vince, <laughs> because we can't just have a topical reference, Vince has to make it <laughs> dumb and nonsensical. He says, I think it's more like Johnny Cochran's. What? All right, Johnny Cochran never had long hair as far as I know. I was gonna say, Cochran's always been a short-haired man. Yeah, and I'm trying to. Think, I, I, I think we just heard the name Johnny Cochran. Thought it'd be funny just to say it. <laughs> I will say they're in matching outfits this week. A kid and Holly. I like that as a as a man who likes a tag team to match, and sometimes they don't, and it annoys me. I like a tag team that matches, and they match, and it's good. I applaud this. Mm. Kid and Holly definitely uh, going for the tag team expert thing here. Uh-huh. And then they, I think they split after this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Just got your matching gear and you bin it off. It's like buying a house with someone and breaking up. Wait, the way of being impulsive and breaking a team up? You're kidding me. <laughs> so um, Owen and Kid get a decent sequence. Start off the match. A lot of decent offense early on. It's, it's fine. It's kind of house show like. And uh, and um, I'm just going through here. Holly ends up being there's the one. one that... There's one bit in this that that stood out to me. It was it was like a very sort of standard tag match. Mm-hmm. Yoko bumping for Bob Holly. Oh yeah, Holly does like, the... like he ran off the ropes and Bob Holly did the face pull and threw Yoko to the mat. I was like, mm-hmm. really? Yoko's Yoko bumping for Bob. Must have had plans for Bob at this point, or tentative plans. Maybe they changed by the time this match aired, but they were really trying to get Holly over as you know, someone worthwhile. And he was a valuable wrestler, someone someone that you you could with the right packaging get something out of. I thought you'd save that moment, maybe. And maybe toward like the end of the match when you're trying to build a to, yeah. to a big finish. I felt in the first couple of minutes it was weird because for the first part of this match, and I don't know whether. Whether I watched it wrong, the first part of this match, it felt like Owen and Yoko would reverse roles. It felt like Owen went in there and did the slow beat down, and then Yoko came in and bumped around everywhere. I, mean, I was trying to amuse each other by saying, "Okay, you be Yoko for this match, and I'll be Owen." Do you know what? I could I could get behind Owen Hart just going, "Hey, look for just for giggles, <laughs> you be me tonight, and I'll be you." <laughs> and then Yoko puts Kid in the sharpshooter and, and, and breaks him in six places. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine wrapping the sharpshooter with those. Thunder thighs of Yokozuna. Jeepers. It's like trying to tie a pretzel rod into a knot. <laughs> trying to, like trying to tie a metal pole into a knot. At, at, at one point, Vince actually utters a phrase, the key here is continuity. And I'll spit my drink out because I'm, I'm realizing who said that. <laughs> if only Vince could tell himself that now, we'd be all right in the wrestling world. I'm not sure you could spell it anymore. <laughs> so Holly, Holly takes a long beating. A long beating. This is an eternal beating. He's in peril for a long time. Yeah. 
Which I gotta say, it's weird because Kid should be the one who gets the hot and taking the beating because that's what Kid does. He's he's the Ricky Morton of this. Kid takes the beating, gets the sympathy. Holly jazzes the crowd up and begs for the tag, tries to urge his partner on, but no, it's 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 inverted here. Holly gets beaten and beaten. He gets some hope spots, a backslide, and inside cradle reverses a superplex at one point, but Owen drops him with the Owen Zugiri. Um, Holly's still in peril, and I've been watching this match since uh, we started the podcast two and a half years ago. <laughs> Some say Holly is still in peril right now. He may be. Finally, we hit the double down. Then, then Kid gets the hot tag. He's fiery. Kid's comeback was great. Just mm. high kicks galore. And kicking with Owen and Yoko. Crowd's buying into him. Might see a title change. Gets a corkscrew suicide dive on to Owen. Comes back and off the top rope to Yoko, caught belly to belly, and that's your finish. A minute after the hot tag, I mean the finish was good. It just it was just like very sudden. It was it was, it was like a bizarre edit, like they edited out like three minutes worth of stuff. But was very he, odd. You know what? I think they were going along, and they realized, oh crap, there's, there's still one match left after this, and it's an important match, so we have to save room for that. Don't worry. But then you think, like, could you? Like, it, it all comes back to timing, and, and even to this day, this company does have these days where they they struggle with timing. Like, of all the matches that we've seen tonight, I'd have given this one more time. Like, I, I, so I would have taken, a, I'd have shaved a couple of minutes off Duke and um, Pierre, and given and given a little extra something to this match. Whether it's an injury spot or something, I don't know. Well, the other side of that is these four had to be tired. Yeah, there, there's that too. They've already already worked several times each. Holly, this is his third friggin' match of the night. And this is the day after Mania, so Owen and Yoko had already had that match. It's, it's, you know, All the more reason to do an injury thing. You could have done a bit where, like, you have Bob and Kid go out, and early in the match, Bob lands badly, gets mm-hmm. taken to the back, and Kid's fighting on his own for ages. Mm-hmm. And here comes Bob to make the rescue. Bob's had a nice sleep backstage. You've had some mm-hmm. some jeopardy. Jobs are good in. You could have, but they I, didn't. but they didn't. We get a drunk driving PSA from the Undertaker, which we, which, 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 which we've seen a while ago. But they dug up. <laughs> I'll see what I did for this one. Hey, you little cheeky, you little cheeky, and I, and I will dig up the same gag that I did last time. Hey, if you drink and drive, you'll meet me. Oh, I get to meet the Undertaker and have a drink and drive. Brilliant! <laughs> Give me a beer. Go for a tri- go for a trip. If if you want to meet me, either T-bone your car into a tree or pay a thousand dollars for a cameo. <laughs> Darling, I'm going for a drive. Well, I don't drink, but Brian, I would like to talk to the Undertaker. <laughs> don't drink and drive <laughs> but do take a knife into your place of work I, I, I was going to say this it's just kind of funny seeing this PSA given um, the interpretation of Taker's recent comments mm-hmm. yeah that, and it was an interpretation <laughs> of, of Taker's recent comments <laughs> where, <laughs> where everyone's gone so Undertaker hates video games but loves knives yeah it's there's a little more middle ground here I think he's just saying like a uh, People came from a different place back then. If he's saying it's better, that's that's his opinion. But it's um, I mean, I think we need to chill out a little bit on that. 
I think so. I think so. And plus, Undertaker, right? If you yeah. if you if you hate games and love knives, I I present to you Fruit Ninja. It's a bit of both. Okay. Game and it's knives. I'll just play the Friday the Thirteenth game that has both. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one as well. John, can you please Photoshop Undertaker playing Fruit Ninja, please? He'd love it and tag him in it. Yeah. Tag tag him in it and put I'll read take a lad. Here's a game y'all like. <laughs> <laughs> Do that, John, and I'll love you. And don't tag me. You have to say it as if you're uh, saying it without being prompted. Yes. I'll allow Tom to weasel his way out of, out of this. <laughs> and if you if you if you if you tag me in it and say Tom told me to say this, I'll just block all communication. <laughs> Tom's setting the fire and walking away. <laughs> Basically setting <laughs> a fire influence. and then leaving. Okay. All right. All right, this next. This next match, <laughs> we need to reset here because we need all of our focus for this next match. Oh, no, do we? This may be the worst thing that's happened on Raw to this point. <laughs> it's the main event, though. <laughs> well, hang on. We have to explain. This is um, no disrespect to the men involved in this match, but Henry Godwin versus Ramblin' Rich Myers. Now, on the surface, it just sounds like a regular squash match with Myers and his nice Brian Pillman Jr.-esque mullet. But there's more to it than that. Because what we have here is a network tie-in. <laughs> you see, they've been plugging Duckman incessantly for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> and what happens next is... One of the characters from Duckman calls into the show. Now, Duckman, mind you, is a cartoon. I love this. So Vince and Lawler have a conversation with a cartoon character. It is the, they couldn't get Jason Alexander to play uh, Duckman for this because he had anything better to do. <laughs> so instead, they got his non-union equivalent. No, I'm, actually, I'm sorry, I should say his, his, his co-star, Greg Berger, who was the voice of Cornfed. Cornfed is Duckman's detective partner. He's the straight-laced one. The responsible one. Sort of dry, has a very deep voice, kind of talks like this a little bit. You know, kind of like a mumble talk. So he calls in as cornfed. And I wrote in my, I made sure I wrote my notes. Oh boy. <laughs> so Godwin is just beating up Rich Myers, who's dressed like boot like Bret Hart this week for some reason. He he gets the um wheelbarrow power bomb face first deal that I like. But now they're having a conversation with freaking cornfed. Cornfed <laughs> Can I, get I forgot this part happened. Cornfed plugs Tech War. <laughs> he does. He goes on a USA show to plug a different USA show that he's not on. <laughs> USA was hurting at this point. <laughs> oh, were they hurting? Oh, my goodness. I wrote this is a I real just liked hearing Cornfed talking about Tech War. <laughs> yeah, great. I just want—I just want to written the show went off a cliff when the, when the talking pigs start talking about tech war, <laughs> and we actually got the on the phone corn fed with a shot of his 
of an an animation cell of him on the side of the screen while Henry looks like Cornfed's arm. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a bad shot. It was like somebody had just paused the TV and taken a photo. (laughs) With Henry Garwin beating up Rich Myers on the other side. (laughs) But then Cornfed's talking about the match. I can't get my head around it. Like, Cornfed's got, yeah, Henry Godwin, he's uh, he's pretty tough. Like, what? what's going on? Well, it makes sense you have Colin during the Hog Farmers match. They booked the Henry Godwin match so a talking pig could call into the show and talk to Vince. It's amazing. It is, it's, just, it's just amazing. <laughs> he makes a spandex joke that Vince laughs uproariously at. Oh, yeah, because he talks about Jerry Lawler's, obviously, Jerry Lawler challenges him to a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. To which um, Cornfed says, uh, I would love to get involved in a, in a six-man tag. I don't know why he said a six-man tag. But um, I'm, I've got an, I have an allergic reaction to spandex. And Vince is, yeah, like you say, Vince <laughs> like, ah, ha, 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 ha. what fun we're having. You know, I can't imagine why Nitro start kicking their ass. <laughs> Me neither. They must have got Jason Alexander on. It must have. So, so Slop Drop finishes Myers. This is still going on. This conversation. We can look inside. I'm just the... looking as as the conversation is going on. I am looking at Greg Berger's IMDb, mm-hmm. the voice of Cornfed from Duckman, and you know what? He's done loads of stuff. I believe it. Voice actors have have a lot of tend to find a lot of work, especially the good ones. He has a he good was voice. Odie and Orson, or, he was Odie and Orson Pig in Garfield and Friends for many years. Mm-hmm. Multiple characters in Bonkers. Um, he was the Grumble in Our Real Monsters. This man was prolific. The, the yes, the teacher from the, from our who I haven't thought about the Grumble since 1998. <laughs> if we do this, and show. now all I can think about is the Grumble. <laughs> God damn, he's 70 years old now. Oh, God, love him. And he's still doing stuff. Yeah, keep him busy, apparently. He was in Crash Team Racing. He's a voice in Crash Team Racing. Help me out here. What the hell is the epic tales of Captain Underpants? I'm on his Wikipedia page. Captain Underpants. It's based on a book. Who's the author of Captain Underpants? It's, um, I have a feeling it's a British book. They've turned into a film as well. Mm. Oh no, it's Daft Dav Pilkey's from America. No, it's a, it was a, a book series, and they did a, a big screen movie release for it. It's quite good, Captain Underpants, as a kid series. I see. He's also on the Men in Black cartoon. He was Agent K. He is a well-traveled voiceman. Clearly, and he caught him to this show. <laughs> a gig's a gig. We should get him on the Raw review. See how he'll do it. I reckon he would. <laughs> Just get him to call in, <laughs> but as the grumble <laughs> to plug tech war, let's just confuse him. <laughs> and then it's well, our, our parting shot for this is the inside of Henry Gowan's slop bucket, which was make corn fed hungry. And I noticed there's a soda tab in there. Henry Gowan is feeding metal to his pigs. <laughs> I think we need to call the RSPCA or the American equivalent. It's after that match, we get the ad campaign with the culture people. Oh, I don't get this campaign at all. Because someone is feeling insecure about what they're putting on TV. But, but it's, it's after that match, 
if we get this? They just have no self-awareness. Here's a pig farmer <laughs> fighting with a whilst a cartoon pig talks to us. Cut to old uh well-off people talking about the WWF. The aristocracy. If the WWF, yeah, the aristocracy. If they'd been around back in the day, it would have cured the plague. What are you what is this? <laughs> Don't get it. <laughs> it's it reminds me of this one Dobert comic strip, which just stayed with me for a while. I can't remember the exact verbiage, but the point was um, the evil boss is talking about, is, is that a meaning reading read from a paper? He says, um, is, oh, we're taking part of this charity endeavor. Should we care about people? And our, and our, and our next item, uh, we're laying off 10% of our workforce next week. Internal secretary, I told you to order these better. <laughs> Somebody, Somebody's getting sacked for the pacing of this show. <laughs> what a juxtaposition. They put the, the hog farmer match in front of the... Of the aristocracy. Oh, they're so cultured. They're so divine. Oh, splendid. It's, and, 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 but the punchline for this is the WWF, 100% naturally good. I almost fell out of my chair laughing. It's like, <laughs> you don't even drug test, you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think somebody needs to drug test. <laughs> right in this, like this is, I think I think Vince was tired when he wrote this episode of Raw. I think he was tired. <laughs> too, much, too much Easter dinner. Vince, yeah, too much big Easter dinner because mm. they went. Vince, we need a we need a, a we need a slogan for the end of this aristocracy bit. Oh, it's such good. WWF, hundred percent, <laughs> uh, naturally good. <laughs> it's such good shit. It's such, I mean, it's such good shit would have been a far funnier out. And I, I think that, I think if, if the out had been WWF, it's such good shit. <laughs> that would have been, been fine. That's, <laughs> I'm just laughing through how stupid the last five minutes of this show were. It's amazing. This actually happened. Honest to God, I, I know that there's some people who listen to this and don't watch the raw episodes. They just like listening to us talk and it's lovely and we thank you for being there. But oh my God, try and watch some of these episodes with us in particular because they're a trip. They're a trip. They really are. And this one is this one is something special. This is what happens when you become a long-running episodic TV show. <laughs> you are just some days just throwing stuff together to get it out. And this is an example of it. This is like a hundred episodes of like watching a e true Hollywood story before they went to rehab. We're watching the downfall. We're watching the drug-addled madness kick in. It's amazing. It's amazing. This is my six hundred pound life before they've seen Doctor One. We come back to ringside and holy effing green screen. <laughs> I think Vincent Lawler are now further from the guardrail. <laughs> They've been pushed for their own safety because everybody wants a piece of Jerry Lawler's Duckman T-shirt. Exactly. They should just like put like stock footage behind him of like, of a, of like um a Cowboys movie from like the fifties, just like the horses going by, <laughs> or like gazelles <laughs> in the a rocket launch out in the field. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be amazing! Like some fifties dancing. It's like Rex Kramer driving to the airport in airplane. What's up going on behind him? <laughs> Or well, every scene in the car in Police Academy. <laughs> Pretty much. They'd have some fun with that. I bet they would in production. We, we learn on next week's show that Bertha Faye will be in action while Police is currently recuperating from her schnozzle of damage. At this point, the Bertha Faye thing, we've got high, high hopes for a living because 
the, the images of her in her monster ripper getup. Yes. So at the moment, we're thinking this beast is landing. This is pretty <laughs> cool. Wait till next week. I know. I know. I know where this goes. I know it's coming. Uh, it's not good. Don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like it. You got Diesel versus Bandman for the title. Now that's cool. In theory. Diesel and Bamos? In, in theory, yeah. It's uh, They really emphasize that the Bandman has now been left in the background because of uh, the loss to LT. He's being ostracized by his fellow Dick Tracy villains. Lola tries claiming the Bigelow had the flu at Mania, and that's why he lost. Trying to build him back up as a threat because how do you go from losing the main event to a non-wrestler to being in the World Cup match three weeks later and having fans buy into it? I think they've had they've had harder jumps from one to the other. Yeah, but this is still um still an evil can evil like jump here. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what they do with that. We will get there. We'll get there. Is that raw for this week? That's raw for this week. Thank oh, God. Oh, what a journey that was. We're we're in a we're in a weird old place. We had a potentially really strong debut. I think this show does smack of it's the last bit of taping for this block, and we're just seeing what's left at the bottom of the barrel, and we're putting it out there, which is a shame because this is a show where Pierre Lafitte made his debut. We could have had some good pirate shenanigans in this one, which we didn't really get. There's, um, but, so, so, Tom, you're saying that these um, that these three hour raw tapings within are bad because the third hour is always always a dead on arrival. Mm. Well, wait until that's... wait until the in your house here when we have four hour raw tapings because that's coming. Oh God, no, that's something else. That's something else. But until until we get to meet again. He is at JRH writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. <gasps> War Stories, written by Justin Henry on the Cultaholic YouTube channel right now. Subscribe, like it, share it, tell your friends, win a dog. Love you, bye! You can't win a dog, but love you, bye! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 